0: You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, a podcast designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. This time it's episode number 66 presenting with impact. Seven mistakes to avoid an interview with Julia Carter. Welcome to The Effective Statistician with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske, the weekly podcast for statisticians in the health sector who want to reach their potential to serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. So, for this episode, unfortunately, I had another time with a little bit of recording problems. Julia's message comes across pretty good. There's a little bit of a problem with my voice, but you can still get lots of very, very good content. Just not this time with you for quality, but uh, quality from content for sure. One thing that I would like to say is we are starting a, a abstract writing challenge. And we're specifically targeting the next PSI conference next year in Barcelona because the a submission deadline for that is usually around november but if you are not going to this conference but to another conference next year join the challenge just go to theaffectivestatistician.com slash abstract challenge or one word and register your interests there so today we are going about a couple of different mistakes that i actually see quite a lot Uh, even in very good presentations and to be honest I made some of these mistakes recently myself. So um, get into this uh, episode and enjoy listening to the discussion with Julia Carter. We are speaking about um, things from setting up the logistics uh, correctly up to how you can end So. And the other thing is, stay to the end because there's really a really nice thing that uh, Julia Kalata will offer you at the end. It's an amazing opportunity, and listen fast because I'm pretty sure this um, opportunity will close very very fast. This podcast is like usual created an association with PSI, an awesome global member organization dedicated to leading and promoting best practice and industry initiatives. You can join PSI today if you haven't done yet and develop further your statistical capabilities with access to the special interest groups, the pretty awesome video on demand content library, free registration to all PSI webinars and much more. Just visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Decision, and this time I have a guest that we already had last year uh, on the Effective Decision. It's again Julia Carter. Hi, Julia. How are you doing?
1: I'm very well, thank you, and it's great to be back.
0: Yeah, it's really awesome to have you back. Um, and this time we are speaking about presenting with impact and how to avoid common mistakes uh, in the, in this area. And um, but, but maybe, Julia, you can give first a little bit of an introduction of what have you been up to and why you're interested in, in this uh, topic.
1: Okay, thank you. Yes, so um, my... Training and coaching business S4 specializes in supporting leaders, teams and individuals to be as effective as they possibly can be in the roles that they do. The majority of people we work with are technical experts and presenting with impact, having presence, being impactful are all of the areas we often get asked for, especially within virtual settings as well. So I do a lot of my training um, to virtual teams and really supporting them to have a brand that's positive, that's um, people perceive them as being uh, effective and that people can see them even though they're not actually necessarily in the room with them every single day. So presenting with impact, which is what we're gonna be talking about today, um, I think traditionally we would consider, you know, presenting in a room with people around us. But, you know, in today's world, we also really need to consider when we present with impact, it's not necessarily with with people in the room with us. And so that puts another layer of of challenge into the situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so we need to kind of be better in managing these things. But also I think um, we as statisticians and you you know, gave a training to, to statisticians um, where I was in the room as well and said we are very often kind of focused more from the technical part and um, getting our message across is, is really imp- uh, important for, you know, driving things forward to, to uh, make sure that we understood and also that I have the, um, the learning for myself, it creates much more job set- satisfaction for me when I can see that actually things happen because of, of my ideas and, and I can drive things forward. And because it can be quite frustrating if you have these ideas and you want these others to do these things, but they don't get it. And you get out of a presentation and afterwards you think, they didn't get it. So it's kind of really frustrating. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. And and you know, while whilst you can be so passionate or um ensconced in a particular topic, um and possibly a very technical topic with with what you do, uh, it's how do you get that across in a passionate way how do you put passion into something that's very can be very dry and especially if if you as an individual don't have a, one of those sort of very bubbly um, charismatic natural energies about you it's a real challenge but it's not a challenge that cannot be overcome so hopefully what I'll be sharing today will will help people um, be able to step up into into a more impactful presenter w- whatever it is that they are presenting.
0: Okay, awesome. So um, we'll talk about basically um, a little bit from the negative side today. So we'll focus on seven common mistakes that people uh, do and give you some um, things about how to overcome these these problems. So let's start with number one, Julia.
1: Okay. So the first thing to uh, really watch out for um, and where things can go terribly wrong is, is right at the very beginning, even before the presentation has started. And this is around um, getting the logistics wrong. And logistics can be anything from how is the room set up, um, how is the technology set up, um, even down to the joining instructions, even down to the time that people need to turn up, pre-work, etc., cetera, et cetera. So there's, there's lots of things we could talk about. But one thing I wanted to just highlight really is, um, in the sort of traditional sense of presenting, Nowadays, it's much more common to have the room set up in more of a what we call cabaret style so that people are sitting around tables of maybe six, five or six people. And the reason that rather than in rows of chairs and it just makes the energy in the room much more collaborative and connected. So I would say actually the room set up. With round tables, ideally, you know, even if you've only got twelve or fifteen people in the room, to have two or three tables, um, it makes a huge difference. And it you then, when you do your presentation, can can enable conversations to happen. So you get more almost facilitation going on um, rather than just having to do a very dry presentation, which obviously helps engagement. Um, the only other thing I wanted to also just mention on room, wherever you can please, please, please try not to do presentations where you have a big boardroom table in the middle of the room uh, because again, creating connection around that is so much harder. And When I do my team team development, I always try and insist that there are no tables um, in the room and that we can sit together. It, It creates barriers. So you're setting yourself up with a bigger challenge of connection when you have physical barriers like tables in the middle of the room. I appreciate it's not always possible to demand a room is re reorganized for your presentation and the only other one is um thinking about the the amount of light coming into a to a room um i'm sure you've all been in situations where you've been in darkened conference rooms with curtains and no windows um it's tough it's much harder to get connection in the right environment than, than rooms that are more light. Um, so those are just some of the things off, off the top of my head that there's many more. Um, oh, a technical one, I would always say make sure you have a backup laptop uh, in, in the background with the presentation already loaded on it in case of failure of IT technology um, and ideally a, a, a connection that isn't reliant on Wi-Fi um, as a backup. So there's quite a few in
0: there. (laughs) Actually, I think from, let's kind of focus a little bit on the room setup. What I also think is really important that you first actually look into the room before you present, um, or maybe you know the room, and to figure out where best to stand uh, to have a connection with the audience, so uh, that you're not constantly turning your back. To the audience when you want to have a look at the slide. So I really like the presenter view with PowerPoint. If you're using slides, that you have the laptop in front of you where you you know you see the presenter part and so you have the slides behind you. So so that really you face the audience instead of you know looking back to to the slides. Um,
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And and ideally, if you can, the screen should really be to the side so that you are in the middle. But often a lot of the, um, especially within corporations, the the screen is right in the middle where where ideally you would be standing. And
0: in these kind of settings, I always try to, you know, go a little bit more in the room. So not just, you know uh stand behind the desk that is maybe there or something like this but but really you know go into the room on the stage, so to say to to build more connection with the audience um
1: yeah. And and I think I think on that one as well, I mean, for me, it's very easy because I, I see myself as a facilitator slash trainer. So I think if you put that training hat on, you can walk around, you can you create connection, you can ask questions. You almost have a facilitative style of presenting um, and it creates conversation and gets much more audience engagement. So whenever I present, I, I rarely have to do formal presentations where, where there would be no interaction. So that might help for people who don't do this as a day job to see yourself more as a facilitator of of information sharing information and creating conversation um and actually might help with nerves as well if you if you do that but it does take practice i guess
0: yeah yeah but i think also kind of checking all these logistics up earlier helps to manage nerves because um then you don't get surprised because well the wrong slides were uploaded at a conference, or the slides are not showing properly because um, they don't have the latest PowerPoint version or whatsoever. All these kind of different things. So um, that, that's really good. It's by the way, if you're presenting at a conference, it's always good to have your own kind of computer and slide sets with you, so kind of as as a backup. Um, in terms of the virtual setting, what's what's your advice there? in terms of tracking logistics.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) <laughs> I, I could do a whole hour just on virtual. Um, there's there's many. Uh, it, you know, is the camera going to be on or off? If it's going to be on, which is my preference. Those of you who've, who've maybe heard me talk before, I, I have a, a mantra about turn on your camera because it creates connection. Um, but then you need to consider the background behind you, um, the making sure no one's going to disturb you, telephone ringing, dogs barking, delivery delivery vans turning up, lots and lots of things to think about your your environment. The light, if you're using a camera, um, the sun shining in. Um, so that's just from a sort of environmental perspective. There's lots of things to consider. What I will say is for anyone who hasn't done virtual virtual Uh, delivery with camera on I promise you the more you do it it will just become second nature after a while so it's just a matter of getting over the fear of having the camera on and thinking you're going to look not great or or whatever mindset stuff is coming up just do it because I don't even think twice now Um, and it makes so much more connection I do a lot of my training now or presenting through through virtual Um, you know what is the point of spending half a day traveling to do a one-hour presentation it can be done from my desk in an hour finished and then the next meeting starts 20 minutes later so it, it really People do need, to, in my opinion, to be doing more of this sharing of their expertise while sitting in their home office. Um, assuming it's it's a home office we're talking about, it might be a, a, of course, a corporate office somewhere else. But it needs to be quiet. It needs to feel. Um, it doesn't need to be. I think if people are working from home, I, I wouldn't worry so much about the external environment as long as it's not unprofessional. Um, but anyway, so 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 that from a from an environmental perspective, um, I always have a backup laptop ready. In In the background, and I've had to use it a couple of times for strange reasons—just computers crashing at the last um, minute—and having a three G connection that you can access, um, or uh, yeah, a backup, a backup version. Um, the other thing is being able to send the slides to somebody else quickly if needs be if you can't share your screen sometimes that happens for different reasons different technologies make sure you are familiar with the technology you're using especially if you're using another company's um, technology don't don't be surprised often employees within companies do not know how their own system works so for example if I need my screen shared they don't know how to allow that to happen so I have to know how I how that happens in their company so it's just about getting familiar with it all um and then you're good to go I mean it's it's, it's such a, a fabulous way of having some really connecting uh presentations without ever actually meeting yeah. the people
0: and I completely agree with the turn on the camera thing um
1: good um,
0: that, that, <laughs> that, that's, that's the mantra of myself and um, yeah it, I get so much difference between those conversations where both turn on the camera compared to those where at least one doesn't turn on the camera. It's it's really, really, really big difference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that's that's – that, that's, I love it. I love it. Perfect <laughs> <my> timing. timing. <laughs> it's proved my point. <laughs> I'm
0: working from home and, of course, the, love it. Uh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Forgotten to turn off the phone. It's great. There you are. And, and you know, it, it's 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 fine in today's world. It, but but that's that's a great example. I, I just wanted to you know presenting with impact is what we're talking about. You know, how can you be impactful if you are invisible? Um, you know, and, and it's it, you wouldn't come to work invisible. You know, with a white sheet over you. So so why would you not turn on your camera? But I could, you know, Alex, I can go on about that for a long, long time. So maybe we should move on. <laughs>
0: yeah uh, completely agree let's move on to topic number two or mistake number two
1: yes so this is around not having enough clarity about your desired outcome from the presentation and I think this is probably one of the biggest mistakes that people make being really really clear that you are thinking about what is their agenda and when I say their agenda I mean the audience's agenda so the mistakes I see people make is they make do presentations it's all about them it's not about the person or the people who are on the receiving end so this is the biggest failure so it's really understanding about what um, they want. Um, what do they want to hear? What are their problems? What are their expectations? What is it that they want from the presentation? And making that the foundation of your um, when you prepare the content. So that's that's the biggest the biggest mistake I see. Um, and and what you end up that if you haven't got that clarity, you end up with a presentation that can go in all different directions. Um, and at the end of it, the audience thinking, well, so what? Um, so and some some of the other things. Uh, you know, the, the sort of next steps, the call to action at the end, um, summarizing, etc. cetera. Um, these are all things that, that we cover when we run our, our um, presenting with impact program. But yeah, getting real clarity about why am I doing this presentation and what is it they want to hear and how do I summarize is a really important one.
0: So for me, communication is uh, about being effective and communication is only then effective if it reaches a desired goal. If it moves uh, the persons from one side to the other, and um, if you don't know what that is that you want the people to move, you know whether you know you want them to believe something different, if you want them to act differently, if they, if you, you know, these kind of different things. Um, if you're not clear about that, um, you never know whether you have done a good job, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and the other thing is um, just for, for people who get nervous when they're presenting, if you make the presentation about them, it takes the pressure off you because you're not the spotlight isn't on you. So it's it's a mindset thing, really. So, so, so to when you're thinking about how am I presenting, you know, even if you're just presenting data, have what? What is it they want to hear? What? What is it that's going to help them? And it, and it psychologically takes the pressure off yourself as well. So that's something I wanted to add.
0: That's very very nice. Yeah. And speaking about data, that actually leads us more or less directly to the next mistake.
1: Okay. Yes. <laughs> so the next mistake I see people do is they just. Especially people who are very data-driven, very head-based people, I, I would say, um, they focus just on logical, the logic, the logical arguments, the logical, the figures, the numbers, the data, rather than really connecting um, at an emotional level with with the audience. And and what this leads me to is to talk about storytelling. So when you are presenting data, to be able to wrap a story around that data so that it really resonates, it really connects at the heart level rather than just the head level. And that might sound a bit weird, a bit strange, but if you really think about, yes, I have this fascinating data, but so what? What does this mean for the human being, the the animal, the depending on what data you're presenting on. so so really personalize the data. Um, and one of the models i we we talk about is is when you tell a story, think about the CSR model. so it's challenge solution result. So first of all, think about you know talk about the challenge. this is this is what the challenge is. this is the the problems that that people face. This is the solution. This is what we. Do, did or can do or this is what the data is showing us this is the solution and then the result these are the results of this so it and you create you you can ideally it needs to be a story that's that's connected very much in in in, in the real world i mean that it's very creative presenters do can do very very off the wall almost the point where you can't necessarily consciously make the link and it's more of a, a subliminal link. And I've seen that done very cleverly. Uh, but telling stories, I use it all the time. Um, I often will find on on my way to do a a training session, for example, something will happen that is a really good example of the uh, the model or the, the theory that I'm talking about. So I will use that as a real life example and say, you know, you won't believe what happened this morning, blah, blah, blah. So telling stories really, really helps people connect. So you've got the logic, you've got the theory, but you're putting it into the real world. People remember stories.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, we very often have a hard time, let's say to come over with our data and, and, embedded into a story but i think it starts let's say you report on a outcome of a clinical study you start with okay our challenge is that um uh, we want to treat these patients and therefore we need to have um designed this study and um these are the kind of indicators for whether the study is successful. Um, we have reached this one, but you know, uh, not all patients respond, but, but only these patients respond. These are kind of the, the different uh, uh, side effects, and here is a good uh, benefit-risk ratio and so on. So, so that leads us to the conclusion that this treatment should only be prescribed for, for these, these patients. And that way you basically tell a story and you, you, you know, you can convince you, uh, the people and, and embed emotions into it rather than speaking about, uh, yeah, we did this test and it, it became significant. And this other test also became significant. And this third test was not significant anymore. And, uh, then we did, you know, multiplicity adjustment and blah, 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 blah. So, so, that's not a story. A story is a kind of you, you embed emotions into it. You give kind of a framework around it and you offer conclusions.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I, would, I would say if, if it's something you find difficult to do, find somebody in your network who you know is good at it. Or, or even sit down with a colleague and talk out the results, talk out the data and say, help me make this more human more you know help me humanize this into a story so actually you'd be able to just brainstorm with with a colleague of how you could create story around it if it's something you find difficult to do
0: okay let's move on to the next one number four which i really love
1: (laughs) being boring so we can be boring because i could talk to you like this and i could be very slow with the way i talk so this one i love this one too um I think, I mean, a podcast is a great example, right? So, so the energy—it's—I it, have a very energetic voice. It's—it's—it's it's, it's who I am. I leak energy um, off me, but that's part of who, my personality. If you are someone who is more internal um, in your energy, it's something to really think about. And I've been doing some work actually um, that, that I now share out with my clients about really trying to embody a—a—it's um, actually an archetype to—to—to. Uh, to, to, to connect with people and and to really embody um, somebody who is connecting with the audience rather than just being a very sort of cold and monotonous um, voice on the on the end so podcast is is I think is, is really important to connect because all you have is your voice um, with video um, you can use you know I can use my hands I can I can reach out I can almost reach out and touch the camera to, to connect with people and obviously if I'm in a room I can walk around etc so there's so many Body—it's body language, it's voice, it's intonation. Um, it's not speaking too fast, which is something I, I admit I do, especially when I get excited about a topic. It's about volume. Uh, it's about um, pausing. It's about asking diff- questions of the audience. It's about changing tone. It's about visuals. Um, there's so much there's so much that that falls into this but we all know what it feels like to be in a presentation where we are looking at our watches thinking oh my goodness how much longer is this going to go on Um, and we all know when we've been in presentations that have just gone like a flash because we've just been so engaged Um, so there's many 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 things that that come under that of how not to be boring Um, I would start with your energy how you are inside your head how you're standing even if it means you have to go and stand in the in the toilets before you go in and sort of move around and get yourself a little bit buzzed up but it's that it's that what you embody when you walk onto the platform of where you're going to be presenting really important
0: yeah and i think uh there's also other things you can build in like you know um is there some kind of entertaining aspects that you can bring in yeah so so um even you know maybe a small side joke or things like that can um, help a lot to kind of um, you know still have the audience being listening to you uh, because yeah see, see you know and there I think is also it's it's there's so many different ways also visual ways. Can, can you kind of in your presentation have something that is more attractive rather than you know just a table can you do it in a in a way that is you know attractive to listen to or, uh, or watch at yes just kind of thing.
1: Yeah, uh, and I I will say um, I, I use um, somebody who actually creates my slides for me. It's it's what they specialize in. So if you are somebody that needs to make um, boring slides look not boring, um, I'm certainly happy to 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 share her details because she's she's very good at that. And it's it's you know you can you can use Prezi. There's different ways of presenting. There's some people love it, some people don't, and and that's the, the risk. Sometimes you try and do something different, and then there'll always be somebody who doesn't like it and someone who does like it. Um, I heard somebody tell me that. That when they watch a prezi presentation, it makes them feel carsick. Um, but I think I think that person was moving and zooming out, and you know it was all a bit bit manic. Um, but you know, there's some exciting things coming along with prezi actually that, that you can do. So yes, yeah, so, so there's the technology side of it. The other thing um, I wanted to say is you know just by asking questions of the audience and and you know just saying so this is my opinion on this. What's yours? Be interested in your thoughts. Who's got a comment? And inviting inviting discussion. There's always going to be somebody in the room who who will have a comment or an opinion so that creates engagement the other thing i see a lot now is the um, the, the the voting in a conference setting where people get to vote on different so and you, you can do that online as well with with training um with using polls so there's there's so much there's so much technology out there um that, that you can use to, in, to get interactive and not boring um, but I, what i would suggest again is if it's something you've not thought about before don't try and do it all at once because it's it takes you know it's an evolution just try one or two new techniques each time until you get confident and then add in another one
0: yeah yeah and that actually (laughs) is a really really nice head start into mistake number five
1: Ah, yes. And actually they're linked. So mistake number five is ignoring the audience. Um, So, and I I can see this, this can be something that, especially if you're very nervous about standing up in front of people, you get very um, sort of into your own head and your heart's pounding and, and, you know, you're presenting some really technical data and your, all these thoughts are going on in your head. So, so you actually forget the audience is there and it it becomes just your worst nightmare in public. Um, So, it's really important to try try to stay calm and not you know not let the audience sense your nerves even if they are there um, the one thing I will say around just just on that um, is, is to visualize yourself being confident so there's visualization exercises can be done to really help and I can talk more about this um, another time but but getting yourself it's a bit that like the embodiment I was talking about with regards to not being boring so embody yourself into a calm um almost Uh, I talk about king and queen, queen or king like state so that when you walk on stage or you walk in front of the people, you you are you are in a a calm, calm place and then you are able to focus on them and not you so it also links back to the 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 second point around um, being really clear on why you're doing the presentation to meet their needs what is it they want as opposed to you Um, so yeah it you absolutely need to they need to be part make them part of your presentation and then you won't be able to ignore them
0: yeah and I think it's really important to kind of Constantly try to connect with the audience. So especially if you if you're a room with them, yeah, have eye contact. Uh, you know, see how they are reacting. Uh, is it, do I need to adjust my presentation? Is they are they leaning in on on the presentation, and do I have the perception they get it, or are they skeptical uh, about things? Do they kind of you know, uh, or do they fade out? You know, do they start to play with their uh, uh, phones and, and things like that? So these are. <laughs> Yeah. Well it all all these kind of things happen and uh, Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and and constantly kind of uh look for how they are uh, reacting. And I think that is a little bit more challenging with the virtual setting. Um but they are, you know, as you said, um asking questions, asking them to Type something into the chat. Um, these kind of things, and there, if even if you just have a couple of people that turned on the camera, then at least you have a little bit of direct feedback. I think the worst thing is that you sit there for let's say thirty or fifty minutes in front of your PC and you're just staring at your slides, and then it's really really difficult to to kind of. Stay connected with your audience because you're alone in a room just talking to yourself. (laughs) And I'm
1: I'm what yeah, and, and, and sorry to interrupt, but what, just in connection with that, what I always do is, is called pre-framing. So when we start a session virtually, I will say, this is going to be an interactive session. I will be expecting you to um, chat in the chat room. In fact, can you all tell me, where are you sitting right now? So you're actually getting people to interact at the beginning in an informal way um, and you keep inviting. And, and I I run many sessions, many training sessions this way. And, and, you know, sometimes I get no one answering and I'll say, OK, um, is everyone? Everyone's still there because I'm not, and I will call them on it. I'm having no interaction here. And I get quite um, assertive about it. But by setting the expectation at the beginning it doesn't come as a surprise to people, um, and, and actually, if you have got one or two people who you know are going to be on that call, um, you could almost prime them to be the ones that lead the discussion. And what you find is people then follow. So it, there's there's many techniques on that, but you do have to be quite a strong leader. Um, at, at you know presenting is leading, right? So so you're leading your audience. So there needs to be some quite strong leadership skills at the beginning, as when we're leading, uh, and that to me is about setting the expectations of the behaviours you are expecting around interactivity. For the session, because some people may not want interactivity, so it's it's exactly like whether you want questions throughout your presentation or at the end of your presentation um, in a more traditional sense. So yeah, be be the leader of of the presentation as long as you're making it about them.
0: Yeah, but I think setting expectations and priming people is already a, a really really nice thing. I haven't done that too much, but I think also in kind of I think it's more natural if you're presenting to let's say your study team. Um, then well that's a little bit less of a topic but even if you're already presenting to let's say uh, your functional team or something like this um, then maybe you know the standard habit is not to ask questions or something like this and then you know set the expectations differently is, uh, is more important okay let's come to number six
1: Okay, so number six um, is having a false start. Um, So this is where, and there's different ways of of interpreting this, I mean, a false start can can fall into many different categories. So um, for example, maybe you start your presentation and something happens, or there is something, maybe your computer crashes or whatever, things haven't started well. uh, to me it's about using your intuition on this so if it's if it's only a uh, 30 minutes in, sorry 30 seconds in not 30 minutes you know you might want to go oh my goodness this has been you know, and, and I would probably be quite authentic about it and just say this hasn't started well, I'm going to start again. So, and go back to the beginning. Um, but if it's, if it's, you know, 10 or 15 minutes in and things things are going wrong, um, virtually it's, it's often technical. Um, sometimes you do just have to go, we need to stop this. You know, we need to sort out the issues and we'll reschedule, so t- to take ownership of it. Um, if it's you standing on a stage and things are going wrong, um, it's, it's trying to not, it's trying to, I mean, for example, if you're super nervous, and sometimes your mouth can go so dry that you can't speak um you know i would confident i would always say have water on stage um but if you haven't got any and you desperately need it ask ask the met someone can someone please bring me some water so it's owning it's owning your power on that stage um don't tell the audience you are nervous. How often I see people get on stage and go, oh, I'm feeling really nervous because they don't need to know that, right? And and actually, when we video, when we do our, our training, we video people um, at the beginning and at the end of the day, and, and there's a huge transformation. And what always comes out, one of the things that comes out is they go, oh, my goodness, I don't look nervous, but you have no idea what was going on inside. So we don't, we don't always leak the truth. Um you might be a bit breathless, you might, but it soon calms down if you talk yourself through it. So it, the false start is, is i would be interested in your experience, Alex, of, of false starts. Mine have normally been electro, uh, when it's been virtual um, and things have gone wrong. And, and I have the old time had to just say, right, this isn't, this, this, there's an, I don't know what the problem is. We've tried the backup. We'll have to cancel, but it doesn't happen very often.
0: Yeah, I, I think the wrong start can be kind of, um, that people directly jump into something without framing it, without kind of setting expectations. So, um, I've, you know, sometimes you go into a meeting and people start talking about it and you have no clue, where's it coming from? What's the, what's the point? And you first then need to stop them and say, um, where's that coming f- from? Why is that important? Uh, these kind of things. So, so I think setting the stage is, is really important so that people know. And,
1: and owning it. Yeah. Yeah. And owning it. You are the expert. You are the one with the, you know, and actually not be afraid to say, I do not understand the context of the question you're asking me here. Can you help me understand? So it's really pushing back. Um, it's all too often I hear people that, you know, the fear. This is one of the things that I've been working on around. I'm working on a program at the moment I mentioned to you earlier about confidence. You know, people being fearful of, of going into a meeting and being asked questions that they don't know the answers to. If you get asked a question you don't know the answer to, you just say, wow, great question. I don't know the answer to that. But let me cut back to you and make sure you do. You know, it's it's owning, it's owning what you do know and owning what you don't know. Um and even if it's something that you should know, to be authentic and go, whoa, not thought about it like that before. I probably should know that. Let me come back. But it's answering it, it's owning it, and it's it's being confident, even in the not knowing. And and this is a lot of mindset stuff um that that people really need to you are the expert. You you probably know a lot more than anyone else in that room on the topic you've been asked to present on. Um and and if you're younger People who are older don't expect you to be as knowledgeable as them, so don't worry about the fact you're not. Experience comes with the, with years, so be okay with who you are and how you're showing up. It's so much about what what you're telling yourself in your head. It's so important. Yeah,
0: but it's really important to have a good start because uh, a good start is is helps you to get good into the presentation. It helps you to have confidence, and it's also something that is. Much more remembered by the audience what you say at the beginning. Um, so there so is this psychological effect that you can you know remember things that are in the beginning more. Um, and so having there a very very good point is is important. That's actually one of the reasons why I usually don't have something like a agenda slide at the beginning because I I really want to have something more impactful at the beginning rather yes. than an agenda slide. No.
1: Yes. And in fact, in our our program, we we recommend that you practice, practice, practice the first 60 seconds of your presentation over and over and over, record yourself doing it so that that first 60 seconds, you're making a really positive impression. Um, But there's another
0: area which you will primarily remember, and that is about uh, mistake number seven. (laughs)
1: Yes, which is about ending weakly um, or ending lamely, sort of just fizzling out at the end of your presentation and not not really summarising and not making it memorable. Um, there, there are three things that people come or expect from a presentation: firstly, to be educated; secondly, to be entertained; and thirdly, to be inspired. And The inspiration piece is something to really think about here. So, you know, what is it that you can give to them at the end that will? enable them to leave or feel that they have really experienced something of value. Now, it could be giving them um, what we would call a a call to action. Um, So, you know, I've I've shared all this this amazing information with you. Now, what you need to do is go and have a conversation with your manager or share this with your team, but give them something to do that they can go away and take action on and implement the things that they have learned in that presentation. So that's it's really yeah the, the, you're absolutely right. The beginning and the end are the two most important parts of of the presentation.
0: Yeah. So so don't end with kind of uh, and here are the technical details. It's more kind <laughs> of and uh here are the main points. And uh, this is really the the most important piece. And, and thank uh, you very much.
1: Goodbye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <Fizzle>. <laughs> fizzle out yeah. yeah no it needs to be a and also think about your intonation your energy um really staying connected but but then asking inviting them to a next step whatever yeah. that next and step have is a really
0: nice last slide which kind of has the summary points on it uh, yes. and it doesn't need to have a thank you slide yes. you just have your last slide and sets it
1: Yes. And I would definitely recommend you have your contact details on that last slide um, in case there are further questions. You know, whatever environment you're in, whether it's internal or external, um, it's always important to have people follow up. Um, And and if you're in the market of promoting what you're doing and what you're talking about, then to have your social media, et cetera, et cetera. to how people can connect with you. And inviting them to connect with you on LinkedIn is always a really positive thing to do as well. There's many, there's many. We could have a whole whole talk about that as well.
0: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely, yep. Okay, so um, you already mentioned uh, earlier that um, you have actually a program that uh, helps people to achieve all these kind of things. Um, What's so special about this program?
1: Great question. Um, w- we have several programs actually, uh, but th- this specific one that we're sort of focusing on today is called Presenting with Impact. Uh, and w- what is special about this program? I-, I just, if I could just share some of the feedback we get from it. Um, we have people of all levels go on this this program. You know, from beginners right through to senior execs who've been presenting all their life, and we often get the feedback such as, "I've done many presentation skills training in my in my career." Um, but this has been by far the most impactful on my style and how I present. So we focus on how do you get the message right that you're delivering? So if you think about some of the technical messages that you have to give in your world, um, it's how do we tailor that so that we really, really have that clear outcome? Um, we really get to the heart of what um, the, the person we're presenting to needs. So we really tailor the message. So we, so we help them with the actual content and the message. We then look at the structure. Um, uh, you know how, how do you do a really good presentation with simple messages um, and then we look at the delivery technique so we help the, the delegates with their confidence, how to stay calm, how to really be um, impactful, have presence um, and how to tell stories. So uh, and the other thing we also look at is how to be confident with handling difficult questions as well. So, but it, we do all of this in a day, um, and we use video. So we we help people, and a lot of people go, "Oh, don't want to use video." It's so powerful, you know, we, and you and it actually helps you increase your confidence because you see the transition from the the, the contrast from the the first first thing in the morning to to the, the end of the day. There's such such an improvement. It's it's amazing. Um, so yeah, it's we get really really strong feedback and about it. And
0: it's a one day meeting. on site and
1: yeah yes so so ideally um all together in a groups of 6 to 8 um anything more than that you don't get that one to one coaching you can do bigger groups we do do bigger groups um but you don't get that one to one feedback on on each of the presentations so in groups of 6 to 8 um in one day is is how we run it um we we can we can do half days um it would have to be a smaller group really um and we can do virtual i mean it absolutely could be done virtually but generally people like the when you're doing it in a room, the energy that you get from each other and the and the inspiration and the learning when you watch somebody else doing it, uh, but there's no reason why you couldn't do it in a in a virtual setting as well, as long as everybody was on their cameras uh, and uh, you know happy to be to be, yeah, t- yeah. So you could
0: you could do it virtually. But you come to the comf- uh, companies and then do it at the at absolutely the companies usually. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, all over, all over. Um, not, not just you know. We're based in the UK, but we we go all over and, Europe.
0: Yeah, and you can find and wider. everything on cest 4com or in the show notes, uh, where we will link uh, to to this program. And the last thing that I wanted to uh, speak about today with Julia is Julia gave a, uh, comes with a little bit of a present today. So let's talk about that.
1: <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> we could call this a call to action, couldn't we, Alex? Um Yeah, so I, I was going to offer a 30-minute uh, call um, to explore any area really around your presenting or anything around that personally helping you be more impactful, whether it's virtual, working virtually, or, or you know, face-to-face with your teams. Um, so yeah, I was going to offer five 30-minute sessions to the first five people who reach out, um, and you can contact me at julia, J-U-L-I-A, at zest4.com. Um, Z-E-S-T-F-O-R.com. And we can have a 30 minute conversation and I I will share it with you as much as I possibly can in 30 minutes um, to maybe give you some guidance and pointers to help you um, improve in those areas.
0: Awesome. This is really, really nice of you. And I hope all the listeners take action <laughs> from this call to action and write an email quickly to Julia Carter. It's first come, first serve basis. And <laughs> yep. then we go on from there. And of course, as always, you can find this in the show notes. Just go to com, find this episode, and... Uh, yeah. Or you just click on your smartphone where you're uh, maybe just listening to this, and, and you can find the show notes there as well. Awesome. Thanks so much, Julia. This was a really, really nice uh, discussion about uh, presenting with impact. And I think we covered important things of um, how to avoid common mistakes. So making sure that the logistics are all set up. Make sure you are clear on what you want to achieve with the presentation. Um, focus beyond logical uh, arguments, also in the emotions and the, the, um, the feelings of the audience. Uh, don't bore the audience to death, but, you know, um, have uh, good gesture, have, you know, uh, your voice speak to them, maybe embed some, some jokes. Um, connect with the audience so that you don't lose them and and make sure that they are engaged focus on your start and on your end so that you have good start to make you confidence and a good end where people get the take home message awesome thanks so much have a nice time thank you this show was created in association with psi thanks for listening please visit theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes and learn more about our podcast to boost your career as a statistician in the health sector. Next week, we'll have another awesome topic. And don't forget to sign up for the email writing challenge. So, reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician.